The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW Future Stars Wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Welcome back, Joe. How you doing? You know, hanging in, it's been a pretty whirlwind last three weeks. So, you know, from beginning to end, it's just been one thing after another. So hoping for some uh, complacency for once in my life and, you know, not having to do a lot. You know, the final thing was getting my mother's dog back from New York. That was a disaster in itself. And Vegas cargo place, the the pet cargo is closed Saturday and Sunday. So now I had to keep the dog in a kennel for three days instead of one day. And they didn't let her on because of the letter. And it was just like missing missing flights, changing flights, being in the airport for 13 hours and then getting saved. And then shockingly, which was the funniest part was I got on the plane and all of a sudden I hear Joe and I look over. It's our old graphic guy, Darian. Sitting right next to me on the whole plane ride. <laughs> the odds of that, because I wasn't even on that flight. Uh, one of the guys at Delta was like, yeah, go up to them, because they wouldn't take my bags, because the flight was 13 hours away. And wow. I had been there for three hours dealing with the dog. And it's like, Jesus Christ, I got to sit in a fucking airport for 16 hours. We did all yeah. we had to do. It was seven. They're like, oh, we can't check you in. It's a minimum of six hours. And like, we got two giant bags that are check bags each, me and my wife. We have a carry bag that weighs like 60 pounds because we had to take home a lot of the stuff from my mother's house. Right. You know? And it was like, thankfully, the guy's like, oh, go to the, the counter over there and tell them that you want to fly standby. And there was a direct flight at 3.30. So we hit them up, and then, thank goodness. Like, we went from, of course – that flight was at the farthest gate possible. So we started at the first gate. We chilled for like an hour because we're still carrying all the other bags. They took the check bags. Thank goodness. Yeah. This one was a dog carry bag since we couldn't get the dog on the plane. We had, it was better than the backpack. My wife had to fit more stuff in. But the problem was it was, it was breaking the other carry case that had the wheel. So we couldn't just walk it. So that was at gate 20. And then we got to gate 26 and we sat down there for an hour. And then we went to gate 32 and we sat there for an hour. And finally it was like, they called my name and it was like, man, I hit the fucking jackpot. Was it, uh, was it LaGuardia or uh, JFK? JFK. And thank goodness it was a direct flight because FK or LaGuardia was the only way to get the dog back because we fly it out of White Plains, which is 25 minutes from the house. But by the, because we had to be at JFK at 4 a.m., 
we left at two and there was no traffic. So, right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting when you, uh, when you already have the stress and worry when you're heading out and then you go through the process of, you know, losing a loved one and then having to go through the, um, the whole, you know, going through the house, getting things clean, getting things, you know, sorted through at the same time, also making the arrangements, having the wake, having a funeral. There's so much to do that the last thing you want to deal with is heading back to Vegas and, and blowing a whole day just with the nonsense in an airport, which, you know, it seemed, it seemed like you guys were going on like a, a very, uh, almost like a roller coaster ride the whole three weeks or so. Um, you know, I want Stu Stone to make a movie about this. The whole dog scene's well worth it. <laughs> well, yeah, and didn't Stu say, uh, you know, that uh, hit me up, Joe, and uh, we can talk, right? Between that and the Crazy Horse 2 story, you know, they're both uh, should be blockbusters. I think it's one movie right there, you know, there's that's what you got to sit down and have Stu just kind of home alone meets home alone meets Goodfellas <laughs> been done before. And, and you know, that would, here you go. Kevin cross now has something to do after his release because he'd fit perfect right into that film, you know, make him the kingpin. There you go. That would be, uh, that would be awesome. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff going on uh, these last couple of weeks that we haven't been able to talk. Um, we uh, we got uh, a lot of uh, releases here from the WWE, uh, and Scarlett and Kevin were given their release. Um, what are your views about uh, you know how that was handled, and do you see the potential of you know Kevin? Um, Maybe if not even appearing for FSW, but at least heading back to Vegas uh, or, you know, staying on the East Coast. Well, you know, I'm not too sure after it happened. You know, I, I sent him a text. Hey, sorry to hear about it. Blah, 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 blah. You know, obviously, we'd love to have you back. You know, his response was, hey, I got 89 days. And I responded with, then I guess I'll see you in February, brother. <laughs> Because, you know, what better way than Kevin having his first match back than in his home? You know, he's always been proud of uh, FSW and, you know, how much we helped him in, in his, you know, meteoric rise that, you know, hopefully we can work out something because I'm pretty sure he's, you know, there's a brother price, but then there's a brother brother price. So, you know, I'm hoping he gives me that brother brother price. And uh, and, and just a thought hit me too. Um, with that, um, when you when you see something like this where you have a relationship, uh, whether it be someone, let's say like Brian Cage or uh, uh, Eli, Eli Drake, um, do you? Do they still give you that opportunity to have a little bit of a break because of the fact that you did help them in, you know, uh, furthering their careers 
is that something that is really something that, you know, these guys have been good enough to, um, you know, give you that chance to work with them again. Um, just not, you know, price gouge you because of, of their name now. Yeah. You know, it was like even the discussions with Ryan Taylor, you know, obviously the price goes up. It's NXT. They, you know, they, they're out there to make money. They have a small window, a guy like Ryan Taylor, if he didn't just get, you know, he went back to ring of honor and then they kind of folded up. And he basically told me he had a couple of different rates, the guys that booked him before he was known and guys that booked him after. Now yeah. it's my choice if, if I want to use it, you know what I mean? And Brian cage, he's always been good with us. You know, he's always liked working for FSW. I'm his favorite promoter that never paid his rate before. He'll tell you that, you know, so, you know, it, but it's a little difficult with AEW and the structure of, you know, a lot of these companies, that's the problem. You know, yeah. we're talking about, you know, an AEW guy against an impact guy or an MLW guy. And, you know, AEW is going to be protective on who they're okay with on putting somebody over and this, right. company don't want to let you put over that. It was like, you know, I remember, uh, Teddy Hart, when we were doing the thing, and John Morrison uh, at the time was the Impact Champion, and he basically said that MLW didn't want him. Now, whether it was true or not, I don't know. That's that's a good – because what am I going to do, call Court Bauer and say, hey, is it really true you don't want Teddy Hart to put over John Morrison? You right. know what I mean? So you have to be aware those are important situations. You know, we talked with Jay Lethal about working the 27th of November – for no escape, but he's working WrestleCade. But, you know, we're def definitely in talks. You know, I'm talking with Jay Lethal about doing a two-day seminar camp, you know, a training camp. You know, Jay Lethal is one of the most respected guys in wrestling. Yeah. And why just do a two- or three-hour seminar? We base it around a show. We do a two-day camp. You know, now we might be able to get more students from Utah, Arizona, California, you know, and make it a big deal, you know, for us, it's awesome. You know, the fact that ring of honor has opened everything up because they even said down the line, a Jay lethal, even if he does come back to ring of honor and they do choose to run that it's more going to be based on appearances yeah. instead of, you know, Kenny King, you know, that's cool. He had a guaranteed contract. So if they didn't run a show all good, you know, now it's, you know, you, you, you play and then you get paid. You yeah. don't play, you don't get paid. You know, that's why a lot of people like that AEWWE over, you know, an impact where you're getting paid a lot of times based on an appearance. So when they're not doing house shows, how many appearances is Rhino making if he doesn't do any independent shows or Chris Bay, for example? Uh you know, and for us, it's great because if Chris Bay was in WWE or NXT, we would never be able to use him. Right. Oh, so, there's so many ups and downs and highs and lows and good things and bad things for working each promotion. And, you know, the last hurrah has ended with WWE. It was like, if you had the security and you signed a three-year deal, you generally expected to be there for three years. Now, all of a sudden they're releasing top level guys. You know, yeah. then there's rumors about vaccinations and maybe that's why. And, and I have no idea, but whether Kevin did or didn't, 
get vaccinated or if that's the reason, you know, I haven't delved into that. You know, the guy just got released, you know, I, I wasn't one who would talk to him on a daily basis, you know, like maybe a Remy, you know, has more insight, sure. but I even asked him a couple of things. He's like, yeah, Kevin, they just don't want it to get out there. So he, he's keeping it close to the best of, of everything that's going on. And Keith Lee, you know, that's another option. We used him a couple of times for the Mecca stuff. So there's so much talent to choose from. And I remember talking with Jay Lethal and he was like, oh, you know, my contract expires in December. But I'm like, dude, you're Jay Lethal. If you don't think that people are going to be knocking down the door, it's like, I need to book you now because you're going to be one of the hottest commodities because as good as a lot of the other indie guys are, and they are, they've been on a GCW 10 times. You know, when the Briscoes showed up to GCW, it was holy shit because the Briscoes are that ring of honor style that the GCW fans kind of broke off from. So whether they still like GCW or not, they were still fans of that crew. And Jay Lethal will be a guy that will be, you know, he'll be a wanted man and he'll be one of the 10 most wanted for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, When you, when you think about like uh, someone like Taya getting released um, and then, um, you know, kind of uh, coming out with uh, social media this uh, past uh, day or two where she mentioned the fact that the WWE has this new ridiculous mandate uh, for women uh, under 25. Does this make any sense to you in terms of is it is it something that they're losing out by looking at that and letting someone like her go or is it the flip side where the reason that they're doing it and they seem to be kind of leaning the same way towards guys now too to kind of develop them and nxt 2.0 is really what the future of the wwe itself will look like almost You know, things can change at the drop of the hat just like they did. You know, back in the day, NXT was just a developmental territory. You got signed, whether it was Deep South for a while, whether it was OVW, that's where the young crop of guys would go. You know, it's similar to like when AJ Styles signed. You know, oh, AJ Styles is going to sign and he's going to have to go to NXT. And because... You know, that's what Finn Balor did. You know, right. that's what a lot of the guys did. They started in NXT. You know, I heard the man, the, the mandate was like 30 years of age. And, you know, does that mean a Chiampa, uh, a L.A. Knight? Those guys are in their late 30s. You know, that was kind of the reason. Bobby Fish is in his 40s working NXT. Technically, NXT is a developmental territory that Triple H basically changed it up to ended up making it a competition for like Ring of Honor. They right. went after that fan base. They went after those guys, Adam Cole, Bobby, o, you know, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Chiampa, you know, all the guys we would use on the Mecca, the Super Indie guys or the Ring of Honor guys. And that built the brand. So that's why it's pissed a lot of people off because in the past, 
if you were a WWE fan, you barely acknowledged Ring of Honor. You barely right. acknowledged Impact. And now with the, the growth of the NXT, it made Ring of Honor more feasible. It made AEW happen because those casual WWE fans who, you know, I remember when we used to do the pay-per-views and Impact was around. Hey, bro, whatever happened to Jeff Hardy? Uh, he's an impact. Oh, what's that? Mike Tanay, RVD. Like, they don't know that those guys were still wrestling. Yeah. And credit NXT and Triple H for changing that because those guys came out of, you know, that Ring of Honor crew. And then now all of a sudden when AJ Styles did come out at Royal Rumble, or what, I think it was the Rumble. It was the Rumble, yeah. I was stunned at the pop that he got because who the hell watches Impact? They, nobody knows who AJ Styles is. And AJ Styles was one of the first that when they signed him, then they went on a spree of Samoa Joe and all those guys that they used that they let keep their name. Yeah. And Cole and Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, and they were all that name. Now they're going back. Even Cross got to be a variation because if his name wasn't Killer, they probably would have let him keep his name too. You, right. you know what I mean? And with NXT doing that, now they want to focus on, you know, I see they got Albert who runs the developmental, his son signs, Steiner's kid. Or, or already within one match, he's in the main event status. Yeah. You know? You know, hopefully the same happens for Sefa. But he's got that legacy. He's got that, you know, uh, the Samoan, you know, dynasty thing there. Yeah. And I would say a happy medium would be there. But when you say, oh, 25 and under, well, I don't think Eva Marie's that much older than 25, but they released her too. So... You know, Taya's in her late 30s. Now, it took a long time to get her there. And she said, you know, there's nothing more disappointing than having your dream job. And, and I get it. You you know, if you get released, you know, okay, you know, I had my run. Like, didn't even get the run. Didn't even get the opportunity, really, to showcase anything. Yeah. And, you know, in WWE, man... You know, you got to follow that straight and narrow, you know, sometimes things that are said on social media, like they pay attention to everything. You know, we have a lot of people that we know, you know, whether it's agents and, you know, trainers, you know, between Allison Danger and Davari and Steve Carino. And there's so many guys in there that we know and you know, we, we, we hear things of how it is, you know, we hear about from the wrestlers that got released or whatever. Sometimes you could say sour grapes, but you know, there's, it, it's also the same thing when I'm dealing with issues between somebody and you have five issues with somebody. And that's the first issue with him. It leads me to believe that you might be the issue. Right. So you know, in some cases, people get frustrated. Keith Lee had to be frustrated the way they were dicking him around. And as Mick Foley said, 
You know, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You signed them because of this. Why do you got to make them this? Right. If he gets over as this. You're mad because you didn't make that guy the star. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's, uh, <laughs> it's been the pattern for 40 years, essentially. Um, what I find interesting is with the concept of how they're bringing in people who are essentially uh, either legacy or athletes, um, it seems like they're trying to use NXT as basically the spotlight on guys who they are specifically training who don't have that much actual training or especially not a name already on the independent circle per se, um, because they want to now just specifically, they have to be these WWE style wrestlers that they develop from the beginning. And that's that. And that seems to be um, kind of just looking at some of the stuff they're doing on NXT um, with the, you know, the vignettes, the characters now that they're, we got so many characters in the last four or five weeks that I don't even know if you can process and say, Hey, this person can be successful because we haven't really got to see how they can wrestle. <laughs> we, you know, so, you know, and, and again, it's absolutely. And it's like, you know, go back a year or so, whatever it was. And, you know, Samoa Joe, he's doing a great job as the commentator for Raw. You know, they brought him up. It looked like they were going to turn him into a monster. Now he can't wrestle. He has the concussion thing. Can't wrestle, can't wrestle. He gets released. All of a sudden, a month or two later, Triple H signs him to be the authority figure. Then all of a sudden, now he can wrestle one match against Cross, beats him for the title. And then before he even has a chance to defend that title... He now gives it up under mysterious circumstances. And I've seen, and I kind of been out of it for a month or whatever, but I'm pretty sure he has made no appearances since then on. So now they're just paying him to sit at home, I guess. You, You know what I mean? It was like, so to me, that makes me believe that that decision kind of came out of nowhere and it wasn't a plan because if it was in the plan six months ago, they wouldn't have wasted their time to sign him, bring him back, give him a match, do the angle. They would have just moved forward. So, you know, why they did it, I, I, can, I can understand because I've heard, you know, NXT loses its ass because where do they get the money from? You know, they have a taping. Do they charge to get in? I don't think they do, but – you know, they might, but they didn't have fans there for two years, even if they did pay to get it. Yeah. And now you got guys like Nakamura and Finn Balor that were getting a major league salary to be in NXT. You know, Adam Cole didn't sign for developmental money. Kyle right. O'Reilly didn't sign for developmental money. So now you've got 20 guys that are probably making more than Heath Slater at the time, who was on the main roster. And he's got kids. You know, how does he take care of them? Yeah. You know, so the thing is, we're making this amount of money. If we go this way with NXT, we're making this amount of money. We're keeping our investors happy. 
investors are going to be happy if they make more money. So the fact that the things changed up and they may not like that part, the bottom line is they're making more money. Right. Oh, so you thin the contracts, you get rid of Bray Wyatt, you get rid of Braun Strowman. You know, these guys are making upwards of a million a year and they're making their money. They go to Saudi Arabia, you know, that probably pays the payroll for the year. The, I think they're doing three or four shows the next year. Well, yeah, they had a, um, it's a, what it, I think it's a 10, it's either 10 shows or 10 year contract. Well, so, yeah, they had a 10 year, but I think they expanded the amount expanded of shows. It. In the past, they were doing two a year. Yeah, and I think they're up I to three. That they're doing more than two. So. Yeah. Um, speaking of, um, you know, name changes uh, and uh, NXT putting people on uh, television, Sefa obviously is now solo. Um, what have tribute. You- it's a tribute to uh, Snooker Jr. who used to go with solo, I think, you know. Well, thank God they didn't make him uh, like a deuce or a domino. So, you know, I thought they were going to call him uh, Jimmy Uso, and they were just going to, you know, make 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 us believe that he was the same guy. <laughs> well, you know, with the um, with the ring gear, with the um, no shoes, with the hair uh, trimmed down and, and bleach blonde. And with the style that they have them uh, wrestling, I personally think back to UPW and essentially that's what they did with Samoa Joe to turn him heel. Almost, you know, the identical type of look. Is that something where you see a guy like Sefa being able to be um, billed as a street fighting um, guy who's kind of gotten his you know, had had to take his own baller and, and run with it and building up this character and story. Does that make it something where when the fans, I mean, the fans were already chanting Uso. So do they bring him when he, when they decide to bring him up, do they keep a gimmick like that? Or do they, you know, is it, do they mix reality basically? And, uh, fiction and basically solo is he is um, part of the family but is like the black sheep of the family is that something that just makes sense to you or doesn't make any sense since you already have a built-in family bloodline in a guy like Safa? i think that they're bringing him into nxt and see how things work out and i don't think anything's based on a long-term plan of if he goes to the main roster how they're going to present them. They're going to present them based on the thing. And, and the bottom line is there's a lot of things that take first Sefa has to embrace being this character. Right. And as we know, it's all about comfortability. If you're not comfortable in that role, if you're a loudmouth, outgoing guy as your character, but you're quiet and shy it's hard to make it work. Right. And that's the one thing. It's always be an extension of yourself. I couldn't tell you if Sefa is good enough to play that role or how far away it is of that role. Right. It is, then he's fine. 
Well, if it isn't, then it might be hard for him as much as he tries to embrace it to be able to do it the way they want you to do it. Then they do. Now it goes to the next level. Okay. Now we think you're ready, but the character just isn't what we expected it to be. Well, they have no problem and they've done it before repackaging somebody as they bring them up to the majors, you right. know, it's hard to retweak a Samoa Joe. It was hard to retweak an Adam Cole, you know, right. It's easy to take a Cepha and retweak him because if that doesn't work out, then he just falls into place and he's part of the Samoan, you know, heritage and he's Rikishi's kid. You know, that alone carries weight. He's the Uso's brother. That carries the weight. So one thing I've learned watching WWE for many, many years, that they want to see Sefa, even though a lot of people know, there's a lot more people that probably don't know that he's even Rikishi's kid. Right. So they want to see this guy sink or swim on his own without having the ability to utilize the name that he has which kind of makes him jump the line a little bit because that's why he got signed. That helped. Not that he was not deserving because he was deserving, but he's going to get looked at. We joked in the beginning when he wasn't even trained yet that we knew anytime he was close to being ready, he was going to get looked at. Now yeah. whether that meant getting signed or not, nobody, nobody knows, but he will get looked at before Matt Vandegrift or Damian Drake or Jay right. Bob. You know what I mean? It's like they're all good. They're all talented. They're all young. But Sefa's got the bloodline. Those guys don't. There's somebody going to bat for them. Those guys, you know, might now with like Alice in Danger there. Right. That's kind of her crew. And we know Lacey, she's got no juice to, hey, go take a look at Jay Vidal. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know. She's probably looking over her head. I got hurt. Hopefully I'll be back soon. I don't want nothing to happen. Yeah. You know? Because then we could do the FSW reunion show and uh, they'll all be there. <laughs> well, the rate, the rate it's going with all these companies laying off people that, yeah, your, your Mecca in February could be the, uh, you know, the amalgamation of all these different uh, companies uh, letting people go. And you just, there's your card right there. You know, who thought when you watched Kevin Cross's debut in NXT, think, you know what? Get him back in a year. Yeah. You know, you'd get some very, very good at Vegas odds that if you took that side, you know, you wouldn't have to bet a lot to to, to have made a small fortune. Yeah. And and the side bet would have been uh, ten, 10 to 1. Do they give him a leather helmet? Yes. So <laughs> I'm going to ask him if we use him in February to uh, bring that with us. And maybe we can explode it in the ring. The highest bidder break it with the baseball bat. Oh man, um, you know, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, Impact. You know, was in town here in October and are coming back here in November in a couple of weeks. Um, you, you of course, this is the first time you've been away for uh, you know the duration of FSW twelve years. 
Yeah, um, missed my missed my first show ever. Even when I had my stents put in, I made the show that night. Yeah. And Rocky T, of course, uh, usually is the one or, or always is the one who is looking over the ring crew and the kids and just making sure things get done. But now he had to incorporate a lot of the duties you bring uh, when a company like uh, Impact is in town. On top of that, after... You mean, the, you mean the hardest part of everything that I had to do? Okay, I got you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Rocky just said, I, man, I don't know, Joe. This is... I can't believe that Joe complains about doing yeah, this. Yeah, this, this right. is easy. <laughs> um, and then on top of it, um, Impact was, you know, here um, uh, through through that, that week and uh, then we had um, a show at FSW on Saturday the 30th, and then an LFC uh, event on the 31st, including also a wedding being Yes, our in, guy Mars got married. Uh, which, by the way, when you see the pictures online, man, that looked like it was just absolutely wonderful. Um, what, a, what a cool idea that you're able to allow people to rent out the venue for something like that, because... That's a memorable wedding, especially for someone who is a diehard fan. Um, when you look at all of that within a week's or two-week time frame, what about that for you shows that FSW um, can, even with you being removed you know, afar from the equation, can continue to make sure that everything runs smooth and that um, everyone who is uh, either renting the ring or using the facility are very pleased and want to do more work with you guys. What, what is that factor to you that brings people back to working with FSW? Well, I, I don't think it could have happened, say, seven, eight years ago, you know, because I have to have the trust and for a long time, I basically tried to do every single thing I could because I didn't trust enough people to do it. Yeah. You know, Joey does his thing now. He's kind of stepped away. But when he has to be there, he is. Spider has stepped up big, uh, kind of took a step back from wrestling. And he's helped kind of put things together. And having Mikey do the stuff, he's already, I don't know if you've seen the No Escape. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of the Roddy Piper uh, you know, <laughs> the, white face when he ended up doing with Morton Downey Jr. And oh no, that was with Bad uh, News Brown. Yeah, that was Bad News. That was that was the uh, that was WrestleMania six. Yeah, Morton uh, Downey was the time before. Yeah, but yeah, and and you know that's what we're focused on instead of trying to do a flyer for forty times a year. Because of all the high octanes, it's like now we do a template, we change up the colors, we change up the background, that's about it. So even uh, an illiterate Photoshop guy like myself, you know, hey, Joe, I need to change the color. What do I got to do? Boom, boom, boom. Like the next time high octane comes on and I got to change the color, I'll hit him up again because I still have no idea how to do it. You know what I mean? But I am capable of doing it. The same thing with Future Shock. So Mikey's job is to handle that. Ben has come in, and I bust Ben's balls a lot because he came in as a manager. It didn't really work out. He was kind of in. He was kind of out. Then he wanted a ref. And 
you know, doing the network and stuff like that is, is, is amazing that he's able to put that together, you know, yeah. it's helped us reach, you know, a, a, a different fan base and, you know, we credit Ben for that, but because of the success he had doing stuff with FSW, I'm pretty sure he's gone out and now he's made money creating stuff for other people. So it's a win-win for both situations. Then you still got Remy, you know, in there, right-hand guy, kind of in my ear, giving me a thousand ideas. And I got to weed through 995 to pick the five good ones, you know, and <laughs> just put all that together. And, you know, like Kenny King, he was available on uh, this past week, but we didn't have any promotion behind it. I wasn't around. We had a better crowd than usual. We did a great job setting shit up for the 27th, you know, but Kenny was back there agenting some of the younger guys, the Suavecitos match, uh, one of the first matches uh, with Bodie and Brandon G. You know, those are two extremely inexperienced guys. You know, that's great that they have ideas, but you need that veteran presence to make sure things work out the way they're supposed to because – if you allow them to go out there and do it and it doesn't work out right, I have to blame myself for allowing that to happen. And yep. having Kenny around along with a Remy and a Cody and a Sin Bodie, you know, all in there. And when we do the bigger shows at D'Lo Brown, you know, you know, here's a guy who's one of the main guys at Impact. So, you know, we got a lot of our guys. Jay Vidal got the opportunity. Uh Never got it at Gangrel's Academy, but of course he got it at FSW's, the opportunity, and he got to wrestle Eric Young and be on a national show. You know, he yeah. said people told him what a good job he did. And again, Jay Vidal doesn't have that ego, like, oh, this, this is what I got to do, you know, and bitch and complain about it. He went out there and did the best that he could do, win or lose, didn't matter. He wanted to go out there and impress and usually by impressing, it means you uh, overdo it to where you sell your ass off. And, you know, we got a lot of people involved, the security, whatever it was, you know, and it's a great opportunity. What I heard, which is very disappointing, was that, you know, guys didn't come and didn't help. You know, it's bad enough if the younger, younger students aren't there. But there's those middle of the road guys that someday are looking for that opportunity and they don't get it. It's like, where the fuck are you? You know, Rocky said like the first day there was seven guys. We have 50 guys. Why is there seven guys, you know, helping and doing stuff? It's like those middle of the road guys who in another year when impact comes back, they might be ready to have somebody that they would use. And it's going to be like, again, who are they going to use? The guy that they seen, you know, 17 times last year or the guy they had never seen before. Right. You know, because D'Lo's going to tell us. We're going to tell D'Lo if he says, hey, what about this guy? Well, that guy's better. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and one, of, one of my favorite moments was seeing Nick Sander take a, <laughs> take a chair shot. Uh, so... Speaking, <clears throat> speaking of uh, Nick Sander, um, Nick uh, and of course Juicy, who uh, 
has a little bit now of FSW bloodline. Juicy won the Lions Cup uh, tournament this past weekend, and Nick uh, made it into that finals match. Yeah, uh, I, th- I thought I, I, that was my prediction. I predicted Juicy would win. I didn't even know until you just told me right now. Yeah, he ended up winning. Final yeah. four, I didn't know he got to the – was it a four-way or how, how did it work? Four-way elimination. So basically, um, you know, Nick had two matches – prior to the um to the main event um so it was the first round then the semis and then the main event there were four guys and it was an elimination match um nick and i forgot who the other guy was basically they pinned each other so that eliminated the two guys and then you had juicy and the remaining guy and juicy and yeah. yeah, the way Nick made it seem like to me is that he lost in the semis because he said the final four. I'd be I'd be bragging a little more and say, you know, it was a final four, two guys got eliminated. That was the final two. You know, you got to put yourself well, over a little bit more. He he was he was the fi- he was in the final four. Um he wasn't the final two. Um, but still, I mean, for 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 him to show up and Joe, they were chanting heartbeat. Think about that. They were chanting heartbeat, which I my jaw was dropping because that is amazing to see him go from a student just a year ago to now someone who's getting attention from the crowds he wrestles in front of upstate California, man. Um, when you look at guys, and you mentioned uh, Bodie's match with Brandon G uh, that happened uh, on Saturday show, which Man, that was a solid match, too. I was very impressed with how it was laid out and what the two of them did. And Bodie looked strong as hell, man. Um, you got Brett the Threat strutting all over the West Coast. And you got the Suavecitos. And, you know, it's it's amazing that you have all this talent and you're coming up on basically having to figure out who a rookie of the year is. Um who do you think is, you know, is, is there anyone who's showing like more of a strength uh, than maybe one of the other guys or they're, you know, what do you feel in the, in the overall picture of those guys competing um, not just for the rookie of the year title, but they really are driving each other because as one gets better, the, the other person goes, Oh, Oh, they're going to do that. Okay. And then they start getting better. So Avocitos, it's like night and day from when they first started. It, yeah, they were like 0-12 to start their run. But they but but they would never tell you that, right? <laughs> you know, but again, everybody is different. You know, if you went through six months, there's no doubt it's either Nick Xander or Brett the Threat. But now over the last six months, you know, Bodie teamed with Sin Bodie, teamed with Remy Marcel. He's beaten Vinny Wasco. He's beaten Brandon G. The crowd loves him. Yeah. So, you know, that vote gets split between Nick and Bodie. Okay. Brett the Threat, not well liked the Suavecitos. They have a better, you know, it, it's easier for them to win the most hated wrestler, right. the rookie of the year, because we take the fan voting into effect, but we don't let that because people just stuff the ballot. And no, rookie of the year is based on everything I've seen over the year. So we'll take into effect that. 
So Brett the Threat and Suavecitos have a little bit more of an uphill climb. Right. And now the two that we thought it would be for sure has to be Bodie included. But then the Suavecitos have been on a strong run over, you know, I've never seen a rookie of the year. There's usually been one standout, maybe a second that was probably underneath and we knew it. Yeah. Never had like four of them at one time say, wow, these guys do this, this, and this as the Suavecitos, extremely talented. Nick Xander, you know, his win-loss record, probably not as good as Brett the Threats. Right. But Bodie probably has the best win-loss rest of them all, but he's had far few matches. Right. Everybody else. So there's a lot to take into consideration. You know what I mean? Well, and what's even more fascinating, too, is we're talking about them in the t- context of rookies. And then you look just, a, you know, if you want to take the, the consideration of the training um, beforehand. And it, so you, you say just a, not necessarily a rookie, but like a second year type person. You, you got Jordan, uh, you know, Oasis killing it. You've got Chase Bell killing it. I mean, out of well, those all guys the, aren't rookies. They may be. That's what I'm saying. They're, oh, okay. they're, they're a little. Ele- they're more elevated, but they're still right. They're know. they're in that second, third year of right where they're at. Exactly. Um, does that just is this some of the best talent that you've seen in in your twelve years in terms of? I mean, you look left and right, and everyone seems to be f- like fucking hungry for this now. You know, there's you know, there's other guys we could take into consideration. If Juicy's in the Young Lions tournament, that means he does less than two years in the business. Yep. Wrestling, you know, maybe not if you add in the training or whatever. When he had his first professional match, yep. is the same way. You know, that's a future main eventer. You know. We may blink our eyes and say, oh, shit, there's Toa on TNT. Remember when we had him, we were talking about, you know, doing big things with him, you know, and it's always that cycle. We have that cycle. And again, they're a little further along than those guys like Hero and Shogun. They're at third stage, which is the final stage before it's superstardom or bust. You know what I mean? It's like. You're, you're right there. Now it's just for you to be able to take it, you know? So to me, there's like three levels. And the young talent that Vegas has produced is, is second to none. You know, I always talk about, hey, you know, Santino's fantastic. We love Dom in Arizona. But in Arizona, I can count John Wolfgang, you know. I can count class. But I can't offhand think of anybody else who's only in the business a year or two that are making the strides that the FSW younger guys are. Right. Oh, so, you know, call me prejudice, whatever. But that's what I look at. You know, I look at when it's like, oh, shit, here's the card. You know, we did a show November 6th that literally – 
10 to 15 guys weren't able to be there. Yeah. And I was even scrambling for one guy and the kid snipes came down, drove right. all the way by himself for just the opportunity. And he looked really, really good. He did. Yes. Full of the opportunity. Now there's a guy who took the bull by the horns. Now I'm not going to tell you he's a regular in FSW, but I'm going to tell you if we need a guy, he's going to be one of the first guys I'm going to call in. Yeah. You know, we talk about other young guys like Jordan Cruz. Kid, yeah. He's got a great, 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 bright future. But it, it's trying to plug in these guys into situations because we have so many of our own students that we try to look after as much as possible first. Right. Then there's guys, not that he's a rookie, but like an Eli Everfly that he transcends the younger guys. We get Eli Everfly on a show. That's one less younger guy we're going to get on there, you know? And speaking of Eli, just I'm glad you said that. Um, Eli is uh, officially injured. Yes, um, I saw that yesterday. Yeah. We were He was going to be in the Escape the Cage match for the number one contender for the No Limits title. So, you know, word on the street is in his first steel cage match, Bodie Young Prodigy might be taking that spot. Oh man, um, that would double be... stomped by Funny Bone from the top of the cage. <laughs> that's that's just that's just cruel. <laughs> we um, might have child services there after that happens. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's remarkable. Um, and and get well is for Eli. Um, you know, heal up quick. Um, because I mean, you talk about a guy who has made strides in his career. It's amazing, man. These guys, everyone is focused. Um, what did you think? I, I really, uh, I really enjoyed the uh, Jay Vidal um, Kita match for for making it into the cage uh, for the number one contendership. Jay won that match. Uh, what did you think of the uh, chemistry between the two of them? You know, I met Kita a few a few years ago at the Impact tryout. And always kind of kept up with what he was doing. Uh, I don't know where he came from, probably the East Coast or whatever, but he had recently moved to be part of the West Coast. He hit me up. And the problem was he was more in that NorCal area. So for him to come down and, you know, financially, it didn't make sense for either one of us. But now that he's gotten down to the Southern California area, we can kind of utilize him more. Like he's a guy like Jordan Cruz that in 2022, we definitely have the hopes of using him a lot more. You know, the match was a little different than I expected. It seemed like a much more personal battle. It was <laughs> too than what I would have expected from Jay Vidal. You know, I, I know um, Keita's more ground pound, mat based, but Jay basically transcended his style for that match and and it just seemed like to me we were watching the second or third battle between these guys who don't like each other so so it was a little different from what i expected the match to be but kata killed it against remy marcel when we did the last show at diversion and you know he's owing two but he's owing two against two of the best that we have you know what i mean so you know, Keita's another guy 
you know, we talk about Keita, we talk about Eli Everfly, we talk about Jordan Cruz, we talk about Brandon Gatson, we talk about class. Well, class has stepped up above all those guys to be where he's at, but all those other guys are guys, Toko Uso, that they need to be on as many shows as possible. And that becomes difficult when you're trying to mix and match. So, you know, I talked with a few of our guys yesterday, you know, in the upper echelon, not, not talent wise, but more in guys that are doing stuff that we may be focusing on a different style of what we do show wise, because we do see the effects of, Hey, Booker T's coming to town around a couple shows and impacts running three shows. And this guy's running a show and big Valley's doing the taco show and you know, seven companies are running. We ran three times a month, a lot of times because there wasn't more than maybe one or two other shows going on that month. So, you know, maybe we need to take, take a step back because, you know, focus on the bigger shows. We have guys like Hammerstone graves class Eli Everfly, whatever it is, Toko Uso, you know, they might work a random show here and there in town, but they're not all over the place. It's hard to have value if there's six shows this month and you worked all six from five different companies. So us taking a show away, at least, like we still plan on maybe doing two, you know what I mean? But like moving forward, you know, our next show, we were going to do a future shock, but because everything went on, we're not going to do three weeks in a row. We saw how it is. We need to build to the big, big show. That's what differentiates us from everybody else. We run that casino type show. You know what I mean? And that's what we focus on November 27th. Then we don't have anything booked till December 10th, but that's not a regular FSW show. It's going to be limitless, which is going to be an X division type tournament. You know, we're talking Matt Vandergriff, Damian Drake, Jay Vidal, along with guys like Davey Richards, you know what I mean? And Lucas Riley, who's making a big name for himself as a high flyer on the West Coast. And we're looking at using a lot of that type of talent. And then we got our New Year's show. So, again, it's going to be another three weeks after that. And that's more of a specialty show. And then looking at the Mecca in February, if we could work things out with – uh, one of our former champions, you know, trying to make that return. So I plan on something in January. New Year's resolution is something that we do. So it's possible then, you know, to do that instead of as a high octane as a major show. But, you know, we're looking to do every, you know, every other month at the bigger venues. And I think uh, for those of you listening or watching, um, I think Joe just gave a huge hint that uh, he's looking at bringing in former champion Jody to uh, yes, uh, yes, in, in major talks, you know, for that situation. But there's a conflict because I always call him young boy, and he doesn't want to be. So that that term of the contract's based on his agreement to work as young boy. Um, you know, we, we just said, uh, no escapes coming up on the 27th. Um, the big, you know, match here is Damian Drake and Matt Vandergriff finally getting an opportunity 
to not only uh, get their hands on each other, which they did this past Saturday, uh, but to be in a steel cage with weapons. Um, that escalated quick, huh? Yeah, right? <laughs> you know, but again, you say the match everybody's looking forward to. Well, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people who are looking forward to Ice Williams and Chris Bay in the cage. That's very true. That's very true. And a lot of people want to see Remy Marcel get that Nevada State title back. You know, I think it's the first time in history somebody enacted the rematch clause. In yeah. <laughs> and not only react the, <laughs> enacted the rematch clause, but did it with a shovel in his hand. With a shovel, yes. Uh, and uh, really I'm very interested in that match to see um, how class does in a cage um, that should be pretty cool to you know see him in a little different environment you know, Re Remy has been in the cage on uh, numerous occasions so he's no stranger so then we have this year first time ever four steel cage matches because we're doing the escape the cage six men so it looks like they got to go over the top to win. Yeah. But if you're shy about climbing a fence, you got a shot of winning this match. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then on top of that, we got a tag team match. Toko Uso and Shogun and Hero are challenging Death Proof. Yeah. Already five matches. And we're looking to have a uh, natural born killer style match with Graves. So in talks with uh, two guys who were victorious at Natural Born Killers at Wrestling Graves. So that's six. You know, there's not a lot of options because match seven is going to be for the FSW Heavyweight Championship. Right. And we are talking Hammerstone versus another ex-FSW Heavyweight Champion. So you want to talk about maybe the biggest show of 2021 way to ring in the final month of the year. Yeah. This is a can't miss show, you know, yeah. we're looking at the eighth match, maybe, uh, you know, loser leaves town, Joe DeFalco versus Rocky T. Maybe <laughs> it's the fifth steel cage match, brother. Hey, you know what, Joe, not even not even loser leaves town. I think uh, your goatee versus uh, Rocky's hair. Oh, I thought it'd be up against his fedora. His fedora. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and in and, and naming all that stuff, um, surprisingly too, he didn't even come up with uh, with a title defense uh, for the women's title. You know, those are still in discussions. So that's yeah. I mean, you that's. Know. There is room for an eighth match. We went there yesterday. I was really afraid because Rocky felt that, there you go, here's some inside scoop, that FSW, instead of no escape, was going to present lockdown and every match would have to be in the cage. And I just didn't feel comfortable with some of those matches. You yeah. know, Natural Born Killers match, hey, we're going to take the ropes down and it's going to be knockout of su or submission inside a cage. Makes no sense. Right. But I think we're able to maneuver it. It's going to be tight, but which also gives us an opportunity to give some of the younger guys an opportunity 
Because if we had an all-cage show, none of those young tag teams would be able to be in a pre-show. We're not having a pre-show steel cage match. You know what I mean? So now there's an opportunity for some of the younger talent to at least get on that show and see what it's like, you know? So, but because of the cage setup and the other stuff, the main show cannot have more than eight matches. Right. And uh, I'm sure now that uh, if uh, Danny and Ricky are listening, um, you're going to probably get bugged now from this moment until (laughs) the 27th of, Hey, Hey, F.A. put us, uh, you know, put us in the, the tag yeah. match, uh, you know. That's all right. Now I'm back. I'm going to hunt them down for dues. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, there you go. There's your match. It, Joe DeFalco and uh, Rocky T versus Suavecitos for yeah. dues. That's right. <laughs> Double or nothing. Double or nothing. Exactly. As we uh, kind of wrap up here, Joe, um, is there anything else that uh, you've been thinking about uh, over the last few weeks that uh, – I want to share uh, or uh, get off your chest uh, before we uh, say goodbye. You know, I'm always in a position to motherfuck somebody, but, you know, generally I don't, you know, it's like I was gone, you know, we were able to put together the show, you know, Remy, Rocky, Joey, Spider, you know, they all handled it in my absence. Uh, Hopefully that doesn't happen again for a very long time. You know, I, I was able to catch part of it. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I was out to eat because of the three-hour difference. I get home, let me turn on the network, and I got to walk into the gimmick battle royal, you know, instead of an actual match. You know, I got to see uh, a lot of the, the tag match, and you could just see Toko Uso, Hero, and Shogun. You know, that's a match there between those two teams that you could – you know, Battle of the Bruiserweights, you want to talk about that. You know, there's some some big boys in there. And, yeah. and, you know, without having a winner to add both teams into the tag title match, you know, good stuff. You know, yeah. back, trying to get the training going on. We got a lot of different things that are happening. We got some new students. That's good to see. You know, we just need them to step it up, work hard. You know, you have to earn your position. You know, the younger guys – you know, some of them not, not getting off on the right foot, you know, they, they just signed up within the last month and where were they for impact? Yeah. You know, nowhere to be seen, you know, when there's a show and there's a spot open, well, you know, they were there for the gimmick battle Royal. A lot of those guys who have, you know, that was their first taste of being in an FSW ring. Yeah. You know, we had a few of them making their debut that way. So, yeah. You know, we, we try to handle our business. Uh, I know Ben upgraded the FSW network. Uh, so hopefully some of the streaming issues. I know if you use an, uh, a phone, sometimes it was a little more difficult. And it needs to be, you know, it needs to be fan friendly. You know, the fact of the matter, it is in the fact financially for seven bucks, you were getting two to three shows a month. That was, you know. A, a big show from any company is going to charge you 15 to 20, you know, so to get three good shows with three outstanding, t- you know, shows with great talent on it, you know, is a no brainer. So all we're looking forward to doing is, you know, I'm back, you know, a little bit more focused after everything that, you know, went down, 
you know, I got to make sure we're doing the things the right way and the way I feel that they need to be done. Sometimes you get the word complacent and, you know, kind of just goes and it goes and yeah, we do this and that guy, oh, he didn't make it. No problem. You know what? We're not your priority. Well, you're not my priority. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. There's too many shows going on, you know, oh, you're unavailable for this one, but then you're, you're going to whine that you're not on the next one. Well, I'm going to make sure the spots are given to the people that, you know, feel that FSW is their company, you know, just another wrestler on our show. That's cool. I'm going to use you, but I'm not going to use you and go out of my way to make sure I put you on the show. Right. Oh, well. Um, and, and kudos, uh, to Ben, um, the network, uh, not only did it work, uh, as it, as it should have worked, the picture looked spectacular. So, um, the, the revamp on the FSW network, again, six ninety nine a month. Um, it's, it's well worth, uh, the price and, uh, everything that you can see on the network is, you know, is the history of FSW. So, you know, check it out if you haven't. Um, Joe, final question for you. Out of all the places that you got to eat at while you were out of town, what was the best meal that you had? You know what? It's hard to say. Uh, my buddy Bobby Axelrod Jr., Chris, you know, he took us to some uh, outstanding places. But it was like when we went to get pizza, we got it at two different places. It was fantastic. You know, uh, he took us to a place called Flames Steakhouse in, uh, I'm not even sure, near uh, Briartown or something like that. Uh, he took me to a brand new place up in uh, Brewster, which is about 10 minutes from where uh, I grew up. And the, the food was outstanding. It was like, you know, I'm always a veal franchise kind of guy. I love that lemon, you know, with the light breading and stuff. And one yeah. thing can get really good in Vegas is, is clams, you know, yeah. once in a while you can get the raw clams, but I was always been a baked clam fan and that all the meals. And then the Chinese food place that when I was 14 years old, I went to 42 years later, it's still standing, still the same name. Heard they had different honor, owners, but the food tasted exactly as I remember or better than any place. Uh, I already got my ticket because I got to go back to handle more business. So I'm going to be going back about December 13th. So it's going to be even colder than it was there, but far less to do. Like we wanted to get the family to, I wanted to get the family to like Central Park and Times Square because they, they really haven't seen it. You know, Joey's never seen that before, but there was so much to do that now this trip, it's going to try to mix in a little bit more pleasure along with the business because business had to be done. Yeah. And we basically worked, you know, credit my wife busting her ass, you know, I had to go through a lot of papers. So while I'm going through a lot of papers, she was going through a lot of cleanup and yeah. getting things out of the house and, and going through and see what we needed to keep and what family members wanted this. And, you know, there's stuff that's been in my family for 50, 60 years and right. the, room set and it's like well i can't get it you know who's gonna get it what are we gonna do with it you know same thing with the dog it was like it was it was my job to do it 
But I do want to say that uh, Saturday I've been doing that, the Mark Hoke show every yes. week. You know, I've been giving him the rub. I've been on pretty much every week. You know, the highlight of the show, obviously. But this Saturday, uh, Booker T is going to be on. So it's on 7.20 a.m. I don't like the time slot. It's Sunday at 8 in the morning. Not really excited about waking up. It's like, yeah, come to the studio. I'm like, bro, I'm calling in. There's no way I'm getting up even earlier. You know, the show starts at 8.04. You can phone me at 8.01, and, and I'll be ready to go. Um, yeah, that's excellent. Um, please uh, tune into that. Um, and Booker T uh, will be in town. Uh, I believe it's November uh, 19th. Um, yeah, something like that. But breaking news, uh, we are part of the number one on-air radio wrestling show in Vegas. There we go. We also are the only one, only but still, one. we are number one. <laughs> well, see, now, Joe, you, 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 you're on the number one radio show. You're on the number one podcast. Yeah, thank God David Lawson doesn't do his anymore, because then we'd be struggling. <laughs> oh, no. Speaking of podcast, we're going to be doing the pre-show podcast soon again. What's going on? Uh, hopefully. Hopefully, we'll be uh, looking at No Escape. So. I was going to say, big show, big show. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, that's something hopefully uh, everyone can look forward to. Uh, we have to talk a little bit and uh, figure out, um, you know, it. I got logistics. I got big news for you. I'm going to be able to get you Chase Bell on that one. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. wow. That's what I'm saying. So, heavy so, hitters. You're, so you're talking to Booker T Sunday morning and I, I get Chase Bell. Chase on Bell. Oh, man. You know? I'll take that any day, man. You know, 10 years from now, you could say, see, we had Bell on. But it, it is, it is a, a, a very much a credit to um, how much value Spider um, has given because he was invaluable for uh, uh, giving us uh, an outlet in terms of being able to do a, a pre-show. So, you know. Who would have uh, thunk it? it's amazing it's amazing and just so much talent and, and everything going on uh, i hope that everyone watching listening uh gets a chance to check out fsw if you haven't uh if you are a fan here in vegas uh remember get your tickets for no escape um the version of amusements you want to get the the good seats especially yeah, for you yeah know, we're, we're working on a uh, if we get those two big name guys we're working on a little meet and greet once again uh and again who would have thought two years ago that Spider and Ben Hall would be major parts of FSW? And on that note, everyone, uh, please uh, again check out uh, FSW Network, six ninety nine a month, and uh, you know everything that's going on is leading to a good place. And uh, man, it's going to be a pretty damn solid show coming up on the twenty seventh. So thank you once again for tuning in, everybody. And until next time, we'll see you then.